one great example is how do I get everybody in the organization when they walk through the door every morning to think growth, right? That's that's the goal, right? And if the leader, him or herself, is not the chief growth hacker or, or somebody who's implementing the growth sciences themselves, it becomes really difficult to get everybody thinking growth. Everybody kind of diverts in different ways. And the starting point you mentioned earlier, which is mindset. I know mindset is a soft thing. And you probably hear about that all the time on your podcast. People talk about mindset, mindset, mindset. It's one of these things that people underestimate. It's like, hey, dude, like, you know, I want to learn the hard skills, right? And the hard skills and the soft skills will not work unless the mindset is in place. Welcome to CEO on the Go, the show about personal and professional growth for busy leaders like you. I'm Gail Lance. And I'm here to help you think differently, solve big problems, and inspire change. It's tough to do on your own and even with a team, but it is possible. So let's get started. Welcome back to CEO on the go. I've got a special episode on tap today. You know, we often talk about personal growth on this podcast, but today we're talking about business growth and specifically about a concept known as growth hacking. I'm excited to share a conversation I had with best-selling author and celebrated growth hacker Nader Sabri. He's based in Dubai. Nader recently released a book called Hire Me If You Can, which shares the secrets to hiring top growth hacking talent before your business rivals do. Spoiler alert, he believes you as the leader should be the master of growth hacking or growth sciences, as he'll explain. Nader believes growth hacking will be the number one super skill of the future. He's been described by his peers as the guy you don't want your competition to hire. Nader's known for his innovative growth strategies that have propelled businesses to unprecedented success. He's helped hundreds of CEOs, global leaders, and founders unlock unseen growth opportunities with growth hacking secrets used by only 1% of companies. Um, that includes organizations like Microsoft, Google, and NASA. Nader is also the best-selling author of Ready, Set, Growth Hack and Growth Thinking, which helps leaders create hacks to scale their business. It's always fun to chat with a guest like Nader, who's so energized about their topic. Uh, one quick side note, as he explains, the term growth sciences is now more commonly used compared to growth hacking. Growth really is a science, and it's typically not taught in business schools. It's an emerging discipline. So I'm thrilled to simply introduce the topic today. Whether you're already familiar with growth sciences or you're new to the idea, I think you'll gain a lot of value regardless of the kind of business or organization you run. Again, as a leader, you must be the master of growth sciences. So I hope this episode speeds your learning curve and gives you some good ideas to think about as you consider the growth you want to achieve in your business in the year ahead and beyond. And be sure to check out Nader's article in the show notes for additional information on this topic if you're interested. Enjoy my conversation with Nader Sabri. Nader, welcome to CEO on the Go podcast. I'm so glad that you're here from halfway around the world, as you say, coming in from Dubai. 
Yeah, well, thank you for having me. Yeah, it is. Uh, we're we're far away, but the internet brings us much closer together, doesn't it? Yes, yes. So excited to have you here and to talk about growth hacking, which is a topic that we haven't conquered yet on this podcast. Um, and so, I just I, you have such expertise and, and experience to share. But I thought for our listeners, the the idea of growth hacking may be something new to them or that they haven't heard as much of. So, can you kind of set us up and let us know what is growth hacking? What is growth hacking? Cool. So. What usually throws people off is the word hacking, right? So first thing we realize, like, oh, this sounds like a bunch of trouble and uh, troublemakers are going to really get me into some hot water. Um, and uh, and in all truth, that's actually where this really started, actually. So so it's an emerging discipline. Um, it's referred to as growth sciences now. So it's kind of shifted from growth hacking to growth sciences. It's evolved. And it's only in the last kind of ever since the kind of 2010 that it's been coined growth hacking. It's been happening for a long time. People associate growth hacking with startups and technology. Those are probably the best companies in the sense of that know how to utilize growth hacking, but it actually applies across the board, regardless of industry size of company, uh, regardless of business model. Um, and that's one of the first, very first myths that's just like, once you get that out of the way, like, cool, I can use that in my business. You know, whether you're running a little small mom pop business or you're running a massive billion dollar corporation, the, the growth sciences apply across the board. Um, in essence, um, when I when I wrote my first book, which was Ready, Set, Growth Hack, um, I, I got into a, some hot water with people in the industry. It's a small industry. We all kind of know each other. And if, if you kind of Google it, growth hacking, which I'm sure some of you are probably already doing by now, um, you're going to get all these technical definitions that can kind of throw you off. And when I stepped back in the, and, and I wrote my first book, I looked at the whole kind of exponential growth system and how you would grow exponentially, which is way different than incrementally. We, we'll talk a little bit more about that. And um I came to a definition, it's a strategic definition that encompasses everything. And it's essentially growth hacking is achieving disproportionate results. So it's ability to put in less to get more out, right? It's very simple like that. And 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 the growth hacking is essentially that transformation process, that thing that sits in the middle. So I usually have this diagram when I do a talk and, and, and right in the middle, I've got this little ninja and I'm like, this little ninja is you, you're, you're the ninja. And that line there is essentially you. Uh, using this process. And on the left side, you've got this, like I do one unit of effort, but I uh, I get, uh, sorry, I put in four units of effort and I get one unit of results, right? So we've all been there, right? I, I do lots of effort and I just get, you know, something is not really worth it. On the other side of that is I put one unit of effort and I get five units of of results out, right? And and that transformation in the middle, that's growth hacking. It's how do I, how do I get more out of what I have? And 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 this is leads to one of the very first principles when when I was defining growth hacking, which is something called the growth dilemma. And I'm, oh, your audience here will relate to this as I, I say this very carefully. So, uh, the growth dilemma is something we face every every day, every week, every month, every quarter, every year. Um, you know, as an executive, you start the the year and you've got these massive goals, right? And and they're brilliant and everyone's excited. And then you step back and you look at your resources, and your resources do not match. The ambition of your goals. Okay, so we've all been there. So the dilemma here is, um, you know, do I do I wing it <laughs> and find a way to do it, or do I growth hack it, right? And um, this wing it. Let's talk about the op first option, winging it, which is what happens most of the time. I was going to say that's probably the most common, right? That's exactly what happens, right? So this is the development of the culture of poor performance, right? And there's a whole pop culture around poor performance <laughs> um, and ways getting past it and how to like, you know, how to get the report in and make it look like I'm doing something that I'm not. And, and I, I'm not going to go down that route because we all know it and we've all lived it in one way or the other, by the way, and, and in all fairness. And the other route is like, how do I growth hack? How do I use this science, growth, the growth sciences to use whatever it is I have uh, as resources and get the most out of them to go hit those results and get beyond that? 
Okay, so that is the growth dilemma. And and that's what I teach. I teach essentially how to solve that. And uh, we do that. Yeah, I was going to say, let me ask you, so is that something that you have to be a specialist in? Or can any leader uh, you know, have, have the mindset or the ability to do that? How how specific is this skill? Because I know you've said it's like the number one skill, right? That that really needs to be front and center now. Yeah, exactly. So So anyone can learn it. Okay, but here's the thing about it. So the number one super skill of the future is the growth sciences. Um, a million growth hackers, over a million growth hackers will be needed by 2030. And today it is run roughly about 20,000 globally. So you can imagine that there's like there's this finite group of people who've got this special skill, but yet a million of them are needed by 2030 because of what's happening globally with growth and, and companies and so forth. And, and it's a very, very unique skill. Now, this is not, um, let me be very clear, this is not somebody just putting the label saying, hey, I'm a growth hacker, and that would be a growth hacker. That's not Yeah, the case I'm trying to like discern a... between skill and knowledge, because <laughs> you can know yeah. how to do it, but to actually do it does require skill to get the results. It's a very different world. Yeah, it's it's like, you know, you have that relative of yours that knows a lot about medicine. And, you know, you may refer to him as your internal doctor, but he's actually not a doctor. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, yeah we're going like down those kind of lines. So we have this like 16 point criteria that we use that defines actually, and I put that in my last book, which is called Hire Me If You Can, which we talk about, you know, the scarcity of this talent um, is about 120% premium paid today. Uh, it's maybe even more than that. Um, on this type of talent, because, and I'll I'll tell you how this came about. I'll just give you the backstory, and then we'll, it'll answer kind of the question you gave me. Um, when I first started out, so I'd, I'd work with clients, uh, we'd get these amazing results, and then I'd have to move on to what I'm doing next. And the first thing the client would ask me is like, "Hey, uh, how do I hire a growth hacker?" Right? That's on one side of the equation. On the other side of the equation, if I was doing a keynote or a webinar or a talk, and and these are like basic questions people ask me, like what you just asked me, like what is growth hacking? How does it work? Is it for me? How important is it? And then the final question, once those kind of basic questions are answered, like how do I hire a growth hacker? And the reason it's not the question they ask, it's why they ask the question. So whether it's somebody who learns about it or the client, it's because it's a special type of expertise, and uh, you, they need people who can do that because it's not um, it's not just a random thing you'd hand over to marketing, which we'll talk about in a second. Because it it isn't growth marketing; it's been labeled growth marketing, and um, that um, can be very dangerous. Yeah, I'm really curious to know more what the process actually looks like, or ideally, what it should look like. Yeah. So, so, so when we like, yeah, shifted that, like, I mean, we'll, we'll, yeah, let's jump in the process, what it looks like, and then we'll come back to that. So, so basically like the, the framework is really three phases, right? There's the growth problem, uh, the growth experimentations, and then growth extensions. Okay. And so they sound really simple, but each one of them has these sub processes in them. And the reason we start with the growth problem is that most companies are solving the wrong problem. <laughs> They're on the wrong track. Um, and so in the beginning, when, when when I first learned how to do this working with clients, I came up with this diagnostic tool. We do about 324 diagnostic points within the organization. And, and then we pinpoint what the growth problem is. So usually the way it starts as a client, I go, my sales are down and I'm losing market share. I got a growth problem. Okay, that's probably a good starting point, but that's really not what the growth problem is. So we go much, much deeper into that. And what you'll usually find, um, it's it, and I'll give you an analogy, um, Usually what happens is a lot of effort is put in one place, but they're not what they're not using what's called what we call cross-functional growth hacking. So it's not working across the organization. So let's say, for example, we put all our efforts into sales and marketing, which is usually what happens. Um, it's equivalent to me going to the gym and I, I work on my biceps every single day for 90 days. So my biceps after 90 days are amazing, but the room in my body suffers at the cost of me just putting my effort into one part of my body. What I need to be doing is I need to be working on the whole body. And that's what growth growth hacking or the growth sciences is all about. The whole organization has to 
uh, work and lean towards growth. It cannot just be one division. Now, having a, a unit, a growth unit, is one of the first questions I ask a client. Do you have a growth unit? Do you plan to build a growth unit? Do you have a growth team sitting somewhere that's not part of a unit, planning to become a unit? Um, it's kind of how we categorize and try to understand the client situation. And, and the thing about it is we learn about this from a very uh, interesting spot. So we were just talking about this, I think, before we got started. Um, a lot of the large corporates, and I would say it's about a year and a half ago when they started looking at, like, okay, we got these growth problems. Uh, how do we restructure, right? So they think about structure. How do we restructure right. to become more The go-to enabled? solution. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so there's a problem with this. So, what, okay, now I'll explain to you kind of the science behind it. So we started analyzing uh, Fortune, uh, Fortune 1000s, corporate startups, and unicorns. And we started looking at, okay, what did they work with first? And we look at three things. So we look at strategy, structure, and talent, right? So just those three broad categories. And each one of these four type of organizations deal with it very differently. So the Fortune 1000s of corporates look at structure first, then strategy, then talent, okay? And um, and when you go over to unicorns, so so 98% of unicorns use growth hacking. Uh, I think Fortune 1000 is about 2-3%. Startups are about 22%. So as you can see, the learning really comes from unicorns. Now, the reason being that they're, they're better at it is not because of any other situation than, uh, I think the best way to put it is uh, when you're put in a situation where you have to do something, you will find the best solution. So uh, as they say, uh, necessity is the mother of innovation, right? And so they would naturally have to find you know ways to do this a lot better. So they would find I, things like growth hacking and the growth sciences to do that. So the way they work is it would be strategy, structure, and then talent, right? And and so what happens is like with startup companies, what's different is they go for the talent, then then the strategy, then the structure. So it's like let's go hire the best CFO. Let's put him into our company. Let's help. Let's get the right structure around him and then get build the strategy, right? With, with unicorns, the other way around. And, and so the unicorns are the most effective at this. And the reason being is like, I can go hire the smartest guy on the planet, uh, you know, get a CMO of like, dude, let's move my company forward. But if the right strategy and right structure is not there from a growth perspective, it won't work. Like you will lose him or her very quickly. They won't be able to do their job because they'll consistently tell you like, hey, where's this? Where's that? Or we need to build this and build that. And it just doesn't, it doesn't work out very well. So what unicorns have mastered is like, hey, let's, Let's let's get the strat the strategy right first. And there's specific characteristics to the strategy that we look at from a data perspective, which is which would lead to growth versus a strategy that wouldn't. Same thing with structure. Same thing with uh, talent. Um, and so when this configuration is changed uh, to a way that you can uh, be more enabling growth, Fortune 1000s have difficulties doing that because the structure is usually supersedes strategy and and talent, and it's purely because of governance and controls, and it's a much larger machine, and this larger machine has many more risks involved to it. So there are instances when I work with a Fortune 1000, when we run an experiment, we have to label it a project. I probably don't know about that, but you you understand where that comes from. So yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, good. Well, from a leadership perspective, what what would you recommend for leaders? What is their role? If you're a founder, a business owner, maybe top executive of a large company, I know there may they may take on different roles, but say that someone's intrigued by the topic or they want to integrate more uh, growth science mindset, what what do you suggest that they do to to create that influence or kind of get the ball rolling? Well, that's a, a very good question. So if you're the CEO or, or uh, you know, you're the principal owner or principal operator of a business, you are the growth hacker, actually. Um, and that's where many of them actually fail to figure that out. So it's not a function. Um, you could outsource it, but your results are going to be incremental. 
you you need to be the person in charge of growth and you need to learn the growth hacking and get the right people in place to work with you to enable the growth to take place. Okay. So one great example is how do I get everybody in the organization when they walk through the door every morning to think growth, right? That's that's the goal, right? And if the leader, him or herself, is not the chief growth hacker or, or somebody who's implementing the growth sciences themselves, it becomes really difficult to get everybody thinking growth. Everybody kind of diverts in different ways. And the starting point you mentioned earlier, which is mindset. I know mindset is a soft thing. And you probably hear about that all the time on your podcast. People talk about mindset, mindset, mindset. It's one of these things that people underestimate. It's like, hey, dude, like, you know, I want to learn the hard skills, right? And the hard skills and the soft skills will not work unless the mindset is in place. <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's the really starting point. So I have a really good article um, I can share with you after. Yeah, we'll include it in the show notes. Yeah. So we look at like the 14 habits of, of a growth hacker and what how they think and make their decisions. And the way you look at it is it's not about like, I need to become that. You just need to identify where in there you're actually very good at and how do you leverage that particular point to develop the remaining of habits that are key to you, right? Yeah. Could you share just a couple on that list just to give listeners an idea of something they might want to be striving for or paying more attention to? I know we don't have time to go through the whole curiosity. Oh, good. I talk about that a lot on this podcast. So yeah. So so if I'm not, okay, so why curiosity? Let's talk about why it is rather than what it is. So, so okay. So real exponential growth doesn't come from uh, benchmarking. So when I walk into a corporate, the first thing they'll do is we'll talk about their competition and how they want to do things either faster, better, or cheaper in general, right? And that doesn't really work because uh, real real growth, exponential growth comes from the unknown. It comes from this the place that you never thought about. So in order to reach that, your mindset has to be very different uh, and you have to be very curious. You need to be asking those really difficult questions and you need to get really curious about them. You need to really dig. And you have to be very genuinely digging. It's not like uh, I'm digging to prove it works or doesn't work. No, you're there exploring it. Like you're exploring it and feeling it. Can you give an example of a good question? For me, it's usually the why questions. Like I, I for me, I always want to understand the mechanics behind something. Like wh- why does, and, and, and by the way, this is something I discovered about myself. Maybe some people can associate this as a kid. So when I was a kid, I was like totally anti-status quo and I completely stood out. Like, and, and it was at that time, like when I grew up, it was not a good thing. Maybe today it's a bit more recognized, but um, when you see the status quo being an, an issue and the re- where, the reason you see that is not because you're disobedient. It's because uh, you see that things could be done better. Um, And so when you see something, yeah, and that's what it really comes down to. And when you start asking those really deep questions, right, and getting those insights, that's when you start to find the things that nobody else is looking at, the things that nobody is seeing, right? So we have like a, we have, um, by the way, so a resource that I can can help you out with that can be very useful to this is um, on my second book, which is called Growth Thinking, I challenged myself. I made myself very curious about how we'll take this methodology out. And this methodology, by the way, is used at Harvard, is used at Stanford, not part of their curriculum. It's used as part of the tools. And I'll, I'll tell you a bit why behind it in a second. But what happened is I challenged myself. I got very curious. I said, okay, how can like, um, if somebody's running a small bakery in the middle of nowhere, growth hack versus somebody running a billion dollar manufacturing company, how can I, how can I help both of them at the same time? And they can both get educated in the same way. So I created something called the 10 day growth hacking challenge, which is on my YouTube channel. And it's a 10 days, uh, we, someone comes in and we, our objective is to 10 X their growth. And we use the methodology to do that. It's a very structured uh, approach and you can watch it and you'll see that people from all kinds of backgrounds. So people like in energy healing, all the way to the media industry, fintech, um, uh, beauty industry, uh, it's, we've got a ton of cases in and you can see how 
um, their mindset transforms, how their techniques transform, how they become very open to failure, how they transform a failure um, into uh, opportunities and how they see opportunities. One of the biggest transformations almost out of every single person who goes through this challenge is their ability to see opportunity has completely changed. How they're able to process that process that mentally and then what they're able to do about it. So we discovered that... Um, I had a question before you go on. It, it, I hate to interrupt. Would this be a process that you would do with a group or on your own? Like how, what does that look like? I'm, I'm guessing you would have to be engaging with other stakeholders or other people to get the best result. So it's usually up to the principal business owner. So going back to your very first question, which you're asking about the leader. So the leader, it would be up to the leader. Now, here's the thing. Bringing everybody won't work. Ah, okay. <laughs> but, that's good yeah, to know. So, yeah, that's not going to work. But you got to bring in like a, a few key people because you need it to radiate, right? So you need to, you, and that's a decision that the, the, the CEO or, or the founder would make him or herself. I, I wouldn't make that decision. But when I see that they want to bring 50 people, I was like, okay, that's not going to work because there's too many opinions at the table and there's going to be too many blockages, right? Let's get that out of the way. Let's start somewhere to get traction and then kind of shift outwards. So we get the few key people and then and then we go from there. Yeah. That's a, that's a good distinction because I think there's a lot of pressure that some CEOs feel to be inclusive and transparent and make sure people don't feel like they're left out, but in this kind of process it seems to be more valuable to start small. Yep, yep. And then and then all all truth you're not actually doing that. You're just it's a starting point because you need it to work, right? And then you can radiate it out. Uh and and it works a lot better than uh, like that. Much much better. Big time. So the one thing so the one thing that we notice is um uh, the 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 distance between thought and action, the closer this becomes, uh, the the higher ability for exponential growth to take place. So it's one of the mental skills that they develop in those ten days, and you'll see it where they have this idea. It's not very clear. Things are not crystal, and then you know it fails, right? And and then when that starts to speed up, okay. So we had one contender, unfortunately, I can't remember her name in my mind. Um, we made her fail in two hours. Right. It wasn't working. We're like, okay, let's get to the failure point as fast as possible. And she was in so much fear. Like she was like literally just like, I can't, I can't. I was like, trust me. It's like when you go to the doctor, you gotta take a needle, right? It looks painful, but then once you get poked, <laughs> like, well, that wasn't so hard, right? <laughs> yeah. it, it's the same thing. It's just it's psycho psychology, right? And and so once she got past it, she became like a lion. I mean, she was like, she kept taking risk after risk after risk and experimenting, and she found her area that nobody saw uh, multiple times. And so the way she would process and deal with opportunities changed completely. Yeah. So being able to embrace that fear, take the risk, being willing to experiment, fail, all of that. It's a radically different mindset from compared to many leaders, um, at least that I know. Yeah. It's not easy. Like, I mean, you know, when I work with corporate clients, um, how to take risk in an environment that's not wanting to take risk is, you know, just like this, how do you know, how do we do? Every organization is different, by the way. There's no set answer to this. Um, starting small, starting simple, I mean, things that like people can just digest, but ultimately it needs to lead to incentivizing risk-taking. And many organizations fall short of incentivizing risk-taking. And that's why people don't take risk. There's a lot of people in your organization sitting right now that have ideas how to grow your, your business and they're just not surfacing it. 85% um, of innovation will come from the boundaries of your business. These are the people on, on the edge of your business that are dealing daily with customers, suppliers, partners. Um, they are the people you need to tap into very carefully. Um, and you need to get them, you need to incentivize them to be taking these type of risks so that these things are surfacing all the way up to leadership. And that's really accelerating the whole process, right? The willingness to fail? Because I guess the question people want to know is how do you do things more quickly? How do you get results faster? How do you grow more quickly? And that seems to be one of the keys. Yeah. And speed, like, and so speed is, uh, so it's funny because when 
Okay, so we always talk about speed and growth. It's kind of these two words that go together. And uh, so, so one of my most popular videos is called Growth on Cocaine. <laughs> and the reason it's called that is, is because of the, the biochemistry that happens in, in, in the mind. It's actually the same thing. So I'll give you an example. So you build a team. Yeah. So yeah, it's a bit controversial, but yeah. So here you go. So you have your first win, right? And you put all this effort in and all of a sudden what happens is um, I'm going to repeat that same win with the same kind of energy, but you can't get the same level of win with the same energy. You need to put in more energy to get the next win. So you're on this high, right? You're chasing the first experience and the first experience is really never the same every time you do it, but you put in more effort every single time to just get incrementally ahead. So on paper, it looks amazing, but what happens is you burn out over time, right? So eventually it tapers off and you you no longer are growing exponentially. So what we're always looking for is what I call as a rising horizon. That's the opposite of, of you know growth on, on cocaine. You need a rising horizon where it's compounding and perpetuating itself, right? So putting less effort, but getting more results and it's doing it itself over time, right? It'll perpetuate. And that is more sustainable and it takes a bit of time. So one of the very first things I know in, in the challenge, we do things in 10 days and we act quickly. However, though, there are time periods where uh, you need to step back and, and take some time. So one of the things that surprised me, I'll say, okay, let's sleep on it, right? And there's a reason behind it. Sleep is crucial, but your mind will... Um, start to process. And I tell people like, listen, send me a WhatsApp message at 2 a.m. They're like, oh, I won't do that. And I'm like, you will, you'll see (laughs) (laughs) after the conversation. And here we are at 2, 3, 4 a.m. And I was like, let it flow because we don't want to kill the flow. Um, and, and, and the mind will start to ferment these things because that's what it does. It does at night. And that's why you, you know, you sleep on things. So sometimes we're, we're under so much pressure to make a decision now, but you really need to buy some space and it's worth the investment of time. Uh, you know, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, 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 that's a good tip. Yeah, to find that balance. It is a lot of pressure. Well, good. Well, um, I know that we we have limited time to talk about this, and I think it's so intriguing. Are there certain things that like are the must dos? Like, if if a leader does nothing else to try to uh, put this on their radar, make this more of a priority, what would be a good starting point? Because I think a lot of organizations have been more in crisis management mode. And, you know, heading into the new year, I'm not exactly sure when this episode will air, but probably close to the new year, it's a great time to put growth seriously on the radar. So what what would be your advice to really try to make that more, more of a priority? Well, my advice, um, if you're dealing with crisis, crisis is the best time to grow, actually. Why? Um, because your mind is more like you're, you're more prone to taking action in crisis than you are in, in a mode of non-crisis. And so... It's an optimal moment to really grow. Uh, you know, I have I have a, one of the, like the biggest mistakes I see from founders. They come to me like, I'm going to get my product right. I'm going to get all this right. And then I'm going to grow. I was like, yeah, it's not going to work. <laughs> Go back. <laughs> because, because I don't see right now where like you're, you're like, you know, things are really hot right now, right? Like the iron, you strike when the iron is hot, right? Like you're taking decisions now that are vital to your future, right? And you're more likely to take risk in those decisions right now than you would be after you've cemented a few things or locked in a few things, right? You're way less likely to take risk. So ultimately, the, the time in which to, to, to grow is in the time of crisis, which is now. And as I deal with larger clients, especially now going into 2024, um, the kinds of conversations we're having, especially about geopolitical shifts globally and, and the shift of how, eco- uh, you know, how to shift of how economics is going to work in the next few years, uh, the change in currency, uh, you know, how currency war that's happening and so forth. Um, it keeps us all up at night, right? It asks us the questions like, what does our future look like? And what do we need to do about it now? Because how we're going to grow as an organization 
next year is is much different than this year. Wow, fantastic. So much. Um, so yeah, so to learn more about your process and resources, how how can people reach out to you and what's the best way for them to connect? Absolutely. Well, if, if you go to Amazon, you can get uh, my my first book, which is Ready, Set, Growth Hack. And that's like the starting point that teaches you everything about the 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 actual framework. The other place is my YouTube channel. So you can just like type in my name. So N-A-D-E-R, Sabri, S-A-B-R-Y. And it'll just pop up. There's a ton of free resources in there. Everything from like, what is growth hacking? Like the most basic stuff uh, and, and some resources attached to that. And then to the 10 day growth hacking challenge. So the 10 day growth hacking challenge, uh, I really recommend that you your audience goes to it. Um, you'll learn from some pretty incredible people in pretty interesting situations, and you'll be able to associate them in, in, in many different ways. So when you watch this though, don't watch it like, hey, I'm in the manufacturing industry. I'm looking for a manufacturing business to understand how to grow. Uh, you need to look at it from perspective like, hey, I don't know this industry. They're completely different. Look at the techniques and the strategies used. I look at how do I bring that into my industry? Um, and that's usually how you start to really see things in a very, very different way. Yeah. I love that approach really. And, and I run some um, CEO and executive peer groups that represent diverse industries. I think that's one of the best ways to learn is to go in either learning from other industries or just being completely open and starting like, you know, looking through a completely new lens. So yeah, very good. Well, any final tip or takeaway? I always like to ask that anything I didn't ask or anything that you think needs to just be reinforced before we wrap up today. I was, I say, you know, get educated on the topic. You're probably curious today, uh, like what is growth hacking? And I think it's a great opportunity for people to just understand what it is, even if you do nothing with it, just just understand what it is and how it works. Um, I guarantee you when people look a little bit deeper into it, they're going to start to really associate with the actual problems that they have and start to use some of these new strategies and techniques. So I'd say start reading <laughs> or listening or listening, right? Like, yeah, so, you know, get yourself educated and then, and then start experimenting. Like, just don't be afraid to do it. I mean, when I do a keynote talk, uh, you know, my, one of my final takeaways is always like, guys, I challenge every one of you leaving here today to start an experiment and finish it by end of the day. Wow. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> yeah, very good. All right. Well, Nader, thank you so much for, for joining me, um, especially so uh, late in the evening for you. I really appreciate it and look forward to um, to sharing more insights with my audience. So um, I wish you a happy holiday season. And again, thank you for, for all that you've shared today. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And for everyone else listening in, I hope you have a good rest of the week doing growth hacking in the way that makes sense for you and doing the work that matters to you. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, be sure to share this episode with someone else who might benefit or leave a review. You can join my email list by going to workmatters.com so you don't miss an episode. And there you can learn more about ways we serve mission-driven leaders like you. If there's a challenge you want to discuss, I'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, keep growing as a leader, inspiring change, and doing the work that matters to you.